I put the C-O-B-B in that C-A-S-T. Hmm. That wasn't it, was it? The energy was was kind of off. You felt that? I, I felt it too. We're, we're, we're going to find an intro. We're going to find something that grooves. But anyway, welcome to the show. Very happy to have you here. If this, If you're returning to the show from the first episode... Thank you so much. It means the world to me, genuinely. So happy to be back inside your ears. It's, it's beautiful in here. But also, if you are listening for the first time, this is your first episode, which is the second episode, welcome aboard. Very happy to have you. The more, the merrier, as they always say. You know, I, I have room in my heart for the old and the new viewers. It, it's funny, you know, my heart is so massive it's, it's so big, right, that I've actually had doctors, right? I've had doctors tell me that, like, medical attention is, is needed, crucially. Like, it's crucial that I seek medical attention because of my massive heart. But, like, you know, what do they know, you know? Like, why, do I, why, why should I listen to some fucking nerds when, like, maybe my heart is so enlarged because I'm just, like, such a good person, you know? Like, maybe I just have so much love and affection to give that I've been gifted with such a big heart. Maybe they should take a note on that. Maybe they should take a step back and realize that, like, I have a huge heart. Very enlarged, very massive, because I care too much. That's what I think. I think it's a gift from God, honestly, and I listen to God before I listen to some guy with glasses and a telescope. Whatever. But anyway... Everyone needs to come inside my heart. So all you come inside my heart. It's nice and warm. We got milk and cookies. We're gonna have a good show with everyone inside my heart. So, anyway, ow, shit. Mmm, that hurts my chest. I don't know what the hell that is. Any, sorry. Anyway, today on the show, we'll be having our first edition of Face Your Fears. That's spooky, right? Because in honor of the Halloween season, we are doing Face Your Fears, and the first person to face their fears will be, well, it's going to be me. But before we get to that, I, I just want to chat with you for a second. So how you doing? You doing okay? Did, did that thing we talked about, did it work out? I knew it would. I knew you'd be okay. I knew you were worried about it, but you know what? Those things work out. You know why? Because you're a great person. You work hard. You try your best. And that's all you got to do. You can't let people shut you out and belittle you and act like you don't matter. But anyway, enough about you. We talked about you. It's back to me. I wanted to touch on something that um, I talked a little bit on my Instagram when I was announcing this here podcast. You see, um, it appears the universe is expanding. And I, I've i gained the knowledge that this podcast is, well, it's but a variant among the podcast multiverse. There's there's actually many Cobcasts, if you if you can believe that. There's probably some from the golden age of radio, and who, who's to say there's not many to come in the future in space with robots who make podcasts for themselves. I know that's crazy, but that's where we're going. Because there's a multiverse of Cobcasts, you see. And, you know, I know what you're thinking. Blake, why didn't you just look at the names before 
you made this name? Why didn't you look up Cobcast before you went with Cobcast, you big dumb idiot? Look at that stupid egg on your dumb face, you big idiot, stupid dumb idiot embarrassment. Well, listen here. That, I mean, that that's definitely true, but listen. I think there's more to this than meets the eye. I think there could be a prophecy at hand. I think there could be a lot of things at play. I've done some research. I've done some digging, okay? I have time on my hands. I don't do very much. So hear me out. Look here. Check it, okay? Cobb variant number one. Entrepreneurial Cobcast. 2017 to October 2019, eight episodes, right? Cobcast variant number two, collar Cobcast. This Cobcast had collars. Haven't figured out how to do that yet. Not that advanced as a Cobcast. That was February of 2019 through February of 2021. They only had 17 episodes. Well, actually, that's that's the most of all the Cobcasts I've found. There's many Cobcasts, as I said. I've, I've, I've discovered this. This, of the ones I could find, there's millions out there of the ones I found in my research. This one has the most, so that's that's a competitor. Anyway, Cobcast variant number three, Philosophy Cobcast. He is very in touch with his feelings and discussing them, a fan of the cannabis. Um, he went from July 2020 to April 2021, four episodes. Not very long, not very long, Mr. Philosopher. Maybe he's pondering something right now. But then you've got Cobcast variant number four. Nice guy, Cobcast. I actually listened to this one. He, he he's like a fan of like Rubik's cubes and shit. He's like a he's younger than me and he's a college graduate. So you know, good for him. Hope he's doing well, Mr. Cobb. All these Cobbs, all these other Cobbs. But listen here, April twenty twenty one to May twenty twenty one. He had three episodes, the least. <laughs> nice guy. Well, nice guys finished last. Sorry, Mr. Nice Guy Cobcast. And then we got. Well, actually, I forgot about Spanish Cobcast. Spanish Cobcast, if you're out there. I know you're still going. I didn't do a lot of research on you, per se, because, uh, as, as you say, uh, you are mi amigo. Or dare I say, mi hermano. Yes? We can coexist. We can be friends, amigo. So that's why you're, you're not a part of this. I'm not challenging you. There's also another Cobcast out there. <laughs> I didn't insert this one because technically there's no feed on any podcast network. So we're not counting this Cobcast, but there's some Cobcast on YouTube where this dude does like, um, like analytics of like, uh, cybro uh, currency or whatever that stuff is, you know, doge coins and all that shit. Obviously very smart person. Obviously <laughs> I said, obviously twice. See, I'm not smart. He's smart. And he has like 62, like, thousand either subscribers or viewers or something like we're not getting there he's he's too far off so that's why as a technicality he's not a part of my argument so it makes me look better so we're not worried about him but finally and most importantly we have cobcast variant number five the blake cobcast podcast it's not a bad name. It's got it's got a good ring to it. We'll we'll put a pin in that. Twenty twenty one to who knows, you know? Now, listen here. Maybe the multiverse of podcasts, right? Has orchestrated, has made a law, per se, that 
A Cobcast may always be an emotion. Maybe there has to always be a Cobcast to keep the universe in line. Maybe that's just foretold. Or, you know, maybe there's like some intergalactic federation in the sky that just is eliminating these other podcasts. Maybe these podcasts have just been buried because of that. I mean, they're all dead, obviously. But, I mean, hopefully not literally because of that federation, if that's even a thing. But regardless, right? This Cobcast isn't passing a baton. And no one is taking this Cobcast out. You see, I'm going to go ahead and put it all on the line right here. I've already had egg on my face once. The yolks tasted fine. So I'm willing to have yolk on my face again. I'm stepping up to the plate. Babe Ruth is calling his shot. Listen here. This Cobcast. This Cobcast is going to be the Best Cobcast ever made. This is going to be the longest running Cobcast of all time. It's going to be the best Cobcast ever made. Longest running Cobcast of all time. And dare I say, maybe a, a good podcast in general. But listen here. If any of you other Cobcasts decide that you're not dead, that you're going to see the light of day and Seek this Cobcast out for combat? Well, <laughs> you can look on my work, see mighty and despair. For I am burdened with glorious purpose, and my rage is untethered and knows no bounds. You will kneel. <sighs> Sorry. At the end of the day, what I'm trying to say is, I, I, I know I'm I'm one in a million. I'm one in a million of all these Cobcasts, of all these variants, of all these multiverses with Cobcasts that are just trying to get through the day and express their feelings. But I believe this Cobcast has that shotgun shine. It's going to keep going. It has the potential to be something special. And that's all I want. That's all I want this to be. So that's what we're going to do. In this universe, you were stuck with this Cobcast. Maybe you wanted Philosophy Cobcast or Entrepreneur Cobcast to learn about financials, but you got me. I'm all you got, and you're all I got in this sick and twisted world. So let's try to help each other and get through it. Alrighty then, that was something. But now, what you've all been waiting for it's time to throw it to our first ever segment here on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is...
Welcome all my creatures of the night to the Halloween delight. Face your fears. In this segment, we put our flashlights on the movies that gave us the jeepers creepers. We'll discuss what about it made our skin crawl initially, rewatch it, then see if it holds up as the big bad boogeyman, or if we were just being big babies about it. I will be facing my fears first on this show, and my fear was the 2008 film, The Strangers. Directed by Brian Bert- Bertino, starring Liv Tyler. That's about it. And uh, before we continue on, <laughs> I just want to preface by saying I'm going to kind of pull it back a little bit, not be so over the top. I've probably been a lot in this episode. To be completely honest with you, I've had a shitty day at work today, so like, this and seeing my girlfriend have been like the only things getting me through it this is when i say it means a lot for you to listen to this it genuinely does so if you get any sort of enjoyment out of this if you like it in any way i don't care if it's one or two or whatever like that that honestly means a lot so thank you thank you so much for listening to this it's really you know it gets me through it but let's continue on you know it's funny because I can remember very vividly my first viewing of The Strangers. Because um, this came out in 2008, and I had to be at least, like, 12 years old. And before you, you think about it, it wasn't my parents' idea, honestly. Like, because obviously I went with them. But I remember, I remember wanting to see it. And maybe I thought I was too big for my britches, but I mean those those britches got filled with shit after <laughs> seeing this movie. I, I they I was scared shitless seeing this, um, but I think I remember why I wanted to see this because I was never like super into scary movies as a kid. I was never that sort of person. Um, I was more of the type of like you know the Halloween season's coming up, let's watch Halloween movies. And, you know, it's funny, like, I can remember, my memory remembers this around Halloween, but it came out in May, and I definitely saw it in theaters. So what I'm assuming must have happened is, because the year prior, Rob Zombie's Halloween had, like, just came out. And I saw that in theaters as well. And I can remember in that, when I saw that with my parents, which, <laughs> that I don't know whose idea that was. So I'm not, I'm not going to take credit for that one. I remember in that one, my mom kind of kept nudging me like, hey, ready to go? Because there was, I mean, probably more towards like the sex and stuff, which, yeah. (laughs) But I didn't. I wanted to watch it. And I don't think it was so much for the sex, but I think I was, you know, I wasn't scared. I was interested. And I think a lot of that goes into like, I think like the Michael Myers of the world and the Jason Voorhees and the Freddy Kruegers, in my head then, and I think a lot now... I've always seen them as like mascots and or I guess a better word is like icons and to kind of like better explain that is like you know those movies they'll scare me or you know something about them could scare me but it's Michael Myers like at the end of the day there's there's mythos to it there's 
you know, the, the, the chronological order of the movie. Like, it's it's a franchise. You know, it, it's Coca-Cola. It's, you know, I might go, oh, but, like, it's not going to cut too deep because I know it's Michael Myers. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how I've always viewed, like, the big... Um, the big monsters, at least in like modern history or, you know, like modern, um, movie monsters. Um, but the strangers was different. <laughs> I think I thought going into it, I could handle it, but I think what's really scary about, or at least when I first saw it, what was really scary about that movie was that they don't have a backstory. You don't know why they're there. I mean, to kind of jump forward, and obviously this is going to have spoilers, but, you know, towards the end of the movie, Liv Tyler and Liv Tyler's boyfriend, I don't know his name, they're, you know, tied up and the strangers are kind of standing in front of them. And Liv Tyler's like, why are you doing this? And one of the, you know, the one of the strangers says, it's because you were home. And that shit's horrifying because like, in my mind, like that can happen. Like, people break into people's houses and do fucking crazy shit, and that's horrifying. They had no reason. They just chose these people and decided to murder them, and I think that scared me so much. But, like, I can remember we went to get pizza beforehand at this place called Boston's. If you remember that, it was, like, the Fort Worth area. It's not there anymore, um, but it was, like, a sports bar. I remember eating, and I remember my mom being like, you sure you, you sure you can handle this? And I remember, oh yeah, I got big britches. going be filled with shit pretty soon, but got big britches, I can handle it. But uh, yeah, I remember us seeing the movie, and the first time that the sack-faced stranger like, breaks in and is standing behind Liv Tyler, I could tell things were going to get bad. <laughs> And not in a quality kind of bad, and a I am not equipped to handle this emotionally kind of bad. Like at that point, I was like, "Oh, this is this is too much." And the real breaking point I can remember was when um, it was right around the time like they're breaking in the door, like just banging on that door as hard as possible while the record player is like skipping. It's like, I can't remember what song it is, but skip, skip, skip. And you just hear bang, 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 bang. And Liv Tyler's just screaming. And right at that moment, I was like, okay, I'm traumatized. <laughs> I'm scared shitless. We need to go. And I remember looking at my parents and be like, okay, this is the one. Let's get the hell out of here. And we left. And um, I do remember my dad teasing me a little bit because in the movie, the song Mama Tried, the country single, is playing and he he played that on the way home and that did scare me so dad if you're listening you got me that did scare me but um yeah I, I think what really scared me about it um on top of everything I just said was that like because in the movie this is like a, a family home of the boyfriend and they, they go out there after this... I mean, I'm, I won't get into all of it. Basically, it's like it's in the middle of nowhere. There's nowhere, no one around. It's like this little house. And, like, that's kind of how I lived. Like, we, we were around a small town of Decatur, Texas. I mean, you can picture, you know, it's your average small town. But, like, we were outside of that. Probably, like, 20 or 30 minutes. And the place we lived, like, no one was out there yet. Like, eventually the neighborhood grew and there was a bunch of houses. But at that point, there was probably, like, maybe two houses. So there was nobody out there. 
So that was scary on top of that. Because so, it's very likelihood, you know, it's likely that three just out of their mind fucking Manson wannabes could break in my house and fucking murder me, right? So that scared me. And on top of that, there were times when my parents would leave. And, you know, I was around the age where I was, I was capable of taking care of myself. They'd leave and I would... I don't know if you've ever done this, if, it, if this is relatable at all, but I would see shit. Like, I, I think I would get so scared at the thought of like, okay, someone's going to break in this house and murder me, that there were times I would look in the mirror and swear I saw somebody in a mask. I mean, I, I know I was projecting that, like, in my brain, but I, I literally, like, couldn't be alone. Like, I'm sure... I probably, there's probably times when I call it, I can't remember any instances, but I, I just could not be alone after that movie. I mean, especially like there was one time I remember being at my grandmother's house and she, she like, she lived in town. Like she lived in Decatur. So like I, I now looking back, it's kind of silly, but like there was a time when I swear I saw something, something. And I literally stormed out of the house. Like, I ran out of the house and just, like, sat in front of the front door for probably, like, 10 minutes, maybe a little less. But I had to, like, convince myself to go back in and be like, okay, there's nobody there. There's people around. You're going to be okay. But that's, like, how traumatized I was of this movie. And I can remember, like, at some point, I don't know how we obtained it, but we had a DVD of this movie. Like, I don't know if my dad had got it just to watch it or just to fuck with me, but we had the DVD of, like, the sack-faced stranger dude pulling a body. I mean, the, the cover kind of looks like shit, but it was him doing that. And, like, for the long... Like, it would... it Just seeing it would creep me out. Like, just knowing... Like, just... Cause, and I would want to see it again. Like, I, I think everyone has that feeling of, like, you want to kind of be scared or, like, you want to kind of... <laughs> pun intended, face your fears, watch it. And I feel like I can remember times of trying to watch it, but I couldn't do it. Like I, <laughs> I would try to, and I, I wouldn't get very far. I know recently, I know recently I've seen it, but I want to watch it again with fresh eyes. I'm pretty sure I can handle it. I'm, I'm, we're about to get into that portion. So it's about time for me to face my fears. I'm going to watch The Strangers. I'm going to try not to freak out. So let's do this. Hi. Hello. Is Tamara here? No. I'm going to the wrong house. You sure? Yeah. I'm sorry. All right, so <laughs> here's the thing. I will, I'll give 12-year-old Blake a slide here. I'll give him a break because there's definitely things in about, there's definitely things about this movie that I could find scary, or at least for someone that young. And I, I can say at least for the first little bit of it, it did, it did have me. Like, it had me interested. It had me, uh, like, ooh, what's going to happen? You know, that kind of feeling. On, on the edge of your seat, I guess I should say. Uh, for about a quarter of it. But, um, 
as a grown man now, as someone who can kind of like, you know, pick apart the plot and actions and, uh, let me just say this. I understand that with a horror movie, just some things are going to have to happen for the story to progress. I, I'm going to put that out there before I even get into it, but this movie is very stinky, very bad, <laughs> which is almost upsetting because there's definitely things I like about it, or I guess at least concepts I think could have been drawn out a little better or you know maybe if the person who wrote this had done another draft or if you know different people had been casted or you know just if, if different choices had been made this could probably be a really awesome movie because you i can see in certain portions of it like oh that could have been cool that could have been neat that could have been you know do this different there's potential there i guess is what i'm trying to say but at the end of the day at the end of the day it's very um under delivers but we're gonna get into it um i'll say this i'm gonna go kind of through it i'll try to be quick i'm not gonna be long-winded about it i kind of have a little outline of what i want to say but there's things i definitely liked about it like i said those concept i concepts i enjoyed that i think could have been done a little better and there's the mountain of things i thought were pretty shitty that i would love to discuss with you so we start the movie out with an opening stat. At this point, I should have probably known what I was in for. Basically, it's this black screen with a stat, reminis you know, kind of saying something along the lines of, the FBI has estimated that over 1.8 million people are affected by domestic violent attacks. Like, very, like, not even, like, um, about home invasions, right? Like, it's not even specific to that. It's like, it's like when you were in school and you had a project to finish, and like at the last minute you forgot, oh shit, we have to have three th facts, and I have two facts. Uh, uh, Wikipedia, uh, uh, there's 1.8 million attacks in the US, and people are affected by it? Uh, so that was just hokey as shit, but whatever. Moving along, uh, we get kind of this POV shot of a person looking out of the driver's side window, going through a neighborhood, going towards the countryside. It's kind of, it kind of fades in, fades out it's as, as it's seeing house for house. I guess we can assume this is our, this is our stranger friends as they're looking for our friends. Um, but then we get the perspective of some Mormon boys. Uh, you know, they're just trying to spread the good word. And unfortunately, they come across the carnage. This is kind of like a flash forward to what we are going to see. Um, they're going through the house. There's bullet holes everywhere. There's, there's actually a cool shot. There's the boys are kind of walking up towards the house and the camera pans behind this car where the back windshield has just been shattered. And basically as it's panning past it, you can see both their heads in that, um, that hole. Which, that's cool. Like, that's, that's, the, that's the thing. There's really cool camera shots in the movie or there's very cool shots, um, using lighting and stuff like that. So I want to give the director that. Like, there's cool shots. That's one of the disappointing things about this movie is, like, there's very cool shots. But anyway, they're going through. They're seeing all the shit. And then we can, um, we get a police, um, or a call to a police operator or whatever. And I guess we are to assume it's one of the boys basically saying, oh, please come and help. There's blood everywhere. It's pouring from the ceiling. Oh, my God! And we begin the movie at the start, where we meet our two protagonists. 
We have Liv Tyler, who... I'm going to say this. I'm not trying to be mean. I, I think, personally, Liv Tyler is a competent actress, right? But here's the thing. She's... She's not winning any awards, and and that's not that's not a big deal. That's fine. You know, she does what she does well, and that's that's not a problem. But the issue is, she's having to carry most of the emotional weight, right? And it's far too heavy. And she could be getting some help from her scene partner, or you know, her spouse in this film. But this man has the acting ability, the acting ability of a can of sardines. He just can't do it. I mean, he's 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 fair, but he cannot convey being scared. He doesn't convey um, anger very well. He he's very flat, and that's hard because um, it is an interesting dynamic that they try to establish. You see, I feel like with a lot of horror movies, or at least the ones I've seen. It's always kind of the happy couple, the happy family, whatever you may, you know, whatever it is. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think there's something almost interesting about having two people who are already at odds, who are, you know, at the brink of breaking up or what, you know, I guess more inclined to their situation and having to basically fight for their lives and come together at the same time. Again, this is something they're trying to get through the movie, or at least from what I was getting from it, but very weakly. And basically what the conflict is, is... <laughs> oh my god. Liv Tyler's bozo boyfriend, right? This man, my god, basically tries to ride the coattails of another person's wedding to propose to Liv Tyler. Now... Listen here, buddy. If we were all Liv Tyler and her Liv Tyler's boyfriend, I'm not giving him a name. He doesn't earn it. He's terrible in this movie. If we were friends with these people, you know, we would try to be in the middle. We'd probably say, "Oh, you both have your things, and you both yes, yes." But when the boyfriend left, we'd be like, "Liv, we completely understand. That's ridiculous. He could have done better." Now, I'm not trying to diss on people who do this thing. If you if you talk to the bride and groom and it's an agreed thing or whatever, maybe it's a traditional thing, then great. Go for it. Do your thing. But even if that was the case and he had gotten the blessing of the couple, his, his execution was horrendous. Because through a flashback later in the movie, we learned that this man literally took her to the parking lot of this wedding venue to say I just don't think I could live with anybody else or something to that extent or I just love you so much and shows her the ring and we flash forward but I mean we knew what happened she said no because Liv Tyler deserves better her father is Steven Tyler and you know I, I, I'm not you know don't love Aerosmith but I love Steven Tyler so they drive to the countryside they're pulling up to the boyfriend's um, summer home that was his parents and as Liv Tyler's getting out, um, headed to the front. One thing to mention, because it's going to be important for later. Um, Liv Tyler, uh, one of her main characteristics is she's, I guess, a fucking uh, chimney. Uh, she is smoking in this movie like she's about to be fucking audited. Big nicotine head. She, she's got to have that smoke. And that's, that's coming from somebody who used to be like a fucking chain smoker. So I'm not dissing on smokers. I lived that life. <laughs> I get it. She's headed to the house. 
and her boyfriend gets on the phone. He's like, hey, man, hey, Mike. Things didn't really work out the way they're supposed to, so, you know, whenever you get up, I know it's shit to drive all this way far out this way because it's a really long way to drive so far away. I need you to come pick me up in the morning, brother. It's establishing someone's coming later, right? Something's going to go down. We'll talk about that. So they come inside, and there is, you know, we talked earlier about me having an egg on my face. This dude had a whole fucking carton of eggs splashed all over him because there's rose petals everywhere. There's rose petals on the bed. There's rose petals, you know, in, in the bathtub. There's rose petals in the fucking cereal. Like, he just kind of went all out but didn't go all out. This place is like nice. This is a nice summer home. There's really not even a view, so I'm not really sure what was still great about going out to this summer home or whatever, but, you know, they're settling in, they're, you know, kind of talking a little bit about it, Liv Tyler says she's sorry, even though she has no reason to be sorry, this is ridiculous, but, you know, they're trying to say, you know, maybe we need to think things through, maybe this isn't how it's supposed to be, you know, maybe we're just not meant for each other, but they do have, like, one little scene of passion as he's helping her get her dress up undone and he says you're my girl as he's about to you know banger on top of his uh, mother's favorite dining room table and rise that we get that, that knock 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 very hard knocks and it's the you know the iconic moment they go to the front open the door is Tamara home and they're like eh no brother you got the wrong house are you sure yeah I think you're in the wrong you're in the wrong place and this is actually pretty unsettling. See you later. Uh-uh. That ain't gonna work, brother. I'll tell you what. If I heard that shit and I'm in the middle of bumfuck, you know, backwoods, hillbilly nowhere, we're fucking gone. If I'm Liv Tyler, I'm saying, look, bro, I know you try to be sweet and cute, but I'm not gonna die today. Wasn't planning on it. I got no time to die, trademark James Bond. Let's get the fuck out. But these people are dumb. And they want to stay, and they're tired, and so then you know, Liv Tyler does that thing where um, you know when someone just kind of just like says something out to the universe as if it was just to be said, and you didn't want anything. Like I'm all out of cigarettes because she just got done smoking like ten at one time. Well, the boyfriend says oh, I wanted to drive anyway, and I fucking want to smash your face in. He didn't really say that, but you can tell with his eyes. So I'll go drive out and get you some. So this is where we kind of enter the portion of the movie. It's a very small window where I'm actually very invested. And I'm actually like, ooh, getting those goosebumps. Because the boyfriend leaves. Liv's Tyler's putting on some records. It's I, I can't remember what the so this song is. It's Clementine something, if I can remember. It's this girl with like, I'm assuming she's older, but she sounds young. You know, those types of people. Like, kind of sounds like this. You know, kind of spooky. But that's another thing I wanted to mention. I think the use of, um, like, old kind of 60s country and folksy music really benefits the atmosphere they were trying to build with this movie. Like, I think it really helps with that, you know, um, in the middle of nowhere spookiness of it. So that's that's another plus this movie gets. The Especially Mama Try later on. We'll get to that. That's, you know, best part of the movie. She's putting on some records, you know getting a bath going, just trying to, you know, doing her thing. She uh, she sees that the boyfriend had left the wedding ring there, right? And, yeah, she takes it. She's she's trying it on. She's trying to see if it fits. She's not giving it a smile or, uh, or uh, you know, she's not um, 
she doesn't look like she's not with it, right? But she's not for it. So we kind of get that. And then knock, knock, knock. Oh, oh no. Who could this be? Go back to the door. Hello? Is Tamara home? You're already here. Olive Tyler's getting a little, ooh, this isn't good. Tries to go get her phone and dummy decide not to charge her phone. That shit's dead. Tries to go to the landline. That ain't working either. Things aren't going too well. Liv Tyler comes back into the living room, makes herself a glass of water, and we get the first appearance of the sack face stranger who enters through the back. And I will tell you what, executed very nicely. Very reminiscent of like Michael Myers, Halloween. Like it, w- it was good. I-, I-, I wish the movie had been this, <laughs> but unfortunately it wasn't for long. He's kind of watching her as she drinks a glass of water and she turns around and he has vanished. Um, and then basically, I don't know if I wasn't paying attention enough or, you know, too little, too much, whatever. Basically, she had taken the fire alarm down because it kept beeping and she did some stuff, came back, and she noticed the fire alarm had been moved. This is her first instance that, oh no, someone's in the house. I'm about to freak the fuck out. What she does and as she, you know, comes to this realization, someone starts banging on the door. She freaks the fuck out. She has a knife in her hand at this point. She's trying to protect herself. And she falls back dramatically, somehow knocks the uh, the record player on that goes, you know, what I was talking about earlier. Now it's kind of dumb, but in the time, there's a lot going on. Smashing at it. Someone's banging on the door. She goes to the back, pulls open the windows. The the, the sack face man's there banging as well. There's a lot of banging on the windows. Very loud. I'm sure her anxiety was peaking. That's a lot of loud noises. Nobody needs that. So she's trying to call her boyfriend. She's like, uh, please come. Please hurry up. Please, please, please. She's hanging out in the room. She's got her knife. We see somebody who's approaching and it's the boyfriend. He's back. And she's like, oh my god, we gotta get out of here. There's a man here. There was, there was, they're, they're trying to get into the house. They're everywhere. That girl came back. And this is officially the point where this movie lost me. Because Liv Tyler is trying. Liv Tyler is giving a very decent performance. She's giving a believable performance. But this man did not clock into work today. <laughs> this man is mentally somewhere else. He has cashed his check. He's just... He, he's doing what he's got to do. He's getting through the day. So he says, oh my God, this fucking woman. Let me check through the house real quick. So he's checking through everywhere. I don't see anything. Checks in the bathroom. Nobody here, you fucking crazy person. And she goes back to her. He goes back to her. And this is like <laughs> one of the worst line deliveries. And it's from Liv, which is disappointing because, you know, I'm rooting for her. I'm, we're rooting for you, Liv. He says, where's your phone? And she says, I told you, the man took it. Which, my brain wanted to explode. Because it's like, why aren't we getting the fuck out of here? Why aren't we leaving? This man isn't worried about it. He says, well, let me go get my phone out of the car. So he leaves the house. He goes to the car. And I shit you not, this car is destroyed. The front windshield is just smashed, right? All four tires are just flat. It's fucking trashed. Worst of all, worst of all, Liv's cigarettes are destroyed. How is she going to get her nicotine? 
But the thing is, right? This dude... <laughs> this dude responds to it like he just got a fucking parking ticket, right? Like, he's just like, oh my... Ugh, you know? Like, why? And it's just like... Another thing that just takes me out is like... I don't know if the director told this dude, hey, you're going to be the strong type, you're, you're, you're the fighter or whatever, but you have to portray something. If you're not going to go for, a, you know, I'm afraid, then you have to go for I'm angry. And he's not doing either. He's, as, like I said, a flat line. Jesus Christ. He's looking through the, the car to find his phone, and he gets a little brisk tap from one of the strangers. And he's, almost shits his pants. So he charges back to the house. He gets inside with Liv Tyler, and he's like, Alrighty, I'm pretty sure there's a shotgun somewhere around here. I know my dad hid one. He's looking for that, looking for that. And then an axe goes straight into the, into the door. Bam, bam, bam. And Liv Tyler goes... I'm not going to do it because it's extremely loud and I can't, I'm not going to scream like that, but you can imagine. They put a little, uh, put a little, uh, piece of furniture against it and finally he finds the shotgun and he, <laughs> oh my god, this guy, <laughs> like completely useless, right? Like he can't act and his character is just completely shit. This man literally says, I don't think I know how to use this. Now listen here, I'm no gun expert. I mean, I've shot a gun a couple times, but I'm, I'm no expert, but I'm pretty sure it's a double-barreled shotgun, right? There's not too much to that. Just pull the thing open, put the put the, put the little the slugs in there, and, and blow their fucking heads off, right? He literally says, I don't think I know how to use this. <laughs> and this is another one of our, care, uh, our uh, relationship conflict things. <laughs> Liv Tyler says... I thought you used to go hunting with your father. And he says, he says, no, I just told you that. Which is like, why are we doing this right now? Why are we trying to have the, wow, there's secrets within the, within this relationship? Who knew? At the point of like three fucking hillbillies trying to like murder you. Like, this wasn't the point in time. But again, I think this filmmaker was trying to provide some emotion that just wasn't there. I would have given up at this point. But, um... They finally find some bullets, right? He blows a hole through the door. The strangers scatter or whatever. And this you're going to find it surprising because I found it surprising too. It's probably like the most surprising thing about this movie because it's surprising in the, in the fact that like most horror movies do not do what these people are about to do because it's extremely smart and it was big brownie points because they decide to go into a corner and just hang out. And when I tell you, this could have been the end of the movie because this is what you, this should have been your game plan. You have your shotgun, you sit in the corner, you're waiting until a cop or somebody comes through that door. Until you know those strangers are long gone, you hang out there. So him and Liv Tyler, you know, they're camping out, they're waiting, they got the gun drawn, and as they're waiting, one of the strangers had put the record Mama Tried on. And this is where we enter probably the best part of the movie. Because, you know, the... You know, that starts turning on. They're kind of sitting there. You don't see it. You can't see anybody. It's just that music's kind of playing, building that suspense. Ooh, where the fuck are the strangers at? This is creepy as fuck. And it seems that his friend, the boyfriend's friend, 
arrives on the scene. <laughs> and who is playing the friend? Well, I'll tell you, friend. It's our favorite Philadelphia native. Well, actually, I don't know if it's actually from Philadelphia, but Glenn Howerton bursts on the scene. Um, I will say these these characters, these strangers, are very lucky they are dealing with this random character because if this was the, uh, you know, the golden god, Dennis, well, I mean, <laughs> you know, they're, they're in the middle of nowhere. There's nobody around. There's a lot of implications there. But, you know, I digress. They're, they're not dealing with Dennis, the golden god. So they, they lucked out this time. But he, he shows up. He's on the phone. He's like, hey, buddy, I'm here to pick you up. You know, <laughs> so sick of fucking belling you out because you're a piece of shit. And he notices, like, the whole place is fucked up. And then out of nowhere, like, a fucking brick goes right through his uh, his, run, his front uh, windshield. And Glenn Towerton, surprising enough by the rest of this movie, gives a very good performance of, holy shit, what the fuck is going on? He's scared. He's portraying fear. Whoa, never seen that before. <laughs> like, it, it, it's amazing to see, like, a good performer in this movie, right? So he's kind of, like, looking around. He's like, what the fuck is going on here? He goes to the house. He's trying to kind of figure out, oh, where the hell are they? And he's starting to kind of walk towards the back of the house. Now, as he does this, we can kind of see that Mr. Sackface Stranger is creeping behind him with an axe. And it's, oh, no. His friend's about to get the axe. He's about to, I mean, literally about to get the axe. And as Glenn Howerton gets right towards the end, the record shuts off. He makes a turn, and he gets his fucking head blown off by his best friend. Holy shit, right? They go from the best plan to possibly the worst plan of he's going to go out there and find the strangers. And <laughs> see, that's the thing. I don't, I don't know what their, their game plan was because there really wasn't one. He basically says, you hang out here. Now, we've already established, right? These motherfuckers, these strangers, there's three of them, have broken the house already. They've made their way through it. But she's going to hang out there, and he's going to go out there and do his thing and be the big hero and save the day. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to burst a bubble real quick. He doesn't do that. What happens is he kind of goes out there, army crawls. There's one of the strangers looking around with a flashlight like this is a fucking prison escape movie. And right as he's got his gun pointed right, fucking uh, <laughs> sack face stranger comes up, gives him a goddamn V trigger. That motherfucker's out. We don't see him for probably the rest of the movie, thank God. But now we're with Liv Tyler, and she decides to make her escape too because you know I I gotta get out of this house too. I need some nicotine. There's a lot going on, and. <laughs> She's she's kind of running a little bit. She's trying to get out, and I swear to you, she pulls a Peter Griffin move and trips and just busts her knee and does the whole, ooh, ooh, it's my fucking knee, ow! And, I mean, you would think, right? Like, the adrenaline's kicking. I gotta go. There's three killers looking to carve me up. She is army crawling. <laughs> She, I mean, she's army crawling with an effort, but she is army crawling, and, you know, we're, we're, we're gonna skip around a little bit. So she makes her way back to the house. <laughs> she's, like, limping her way back, because she just, she busted her knee up, right? Like, that thing is shattered. She somehow gets back in the house, and she gets into this little closet, 
And this might actually be my favorite part because <laughs> the sack faced stranger, right? He's kind of walking through the house. He's trying to kind of see what's going on or, you know, I guess try to find them or fuck with them or whatever. Pick his nose. I don't know. And at the table, there's like a big tub of ice cream, like actually like bluebell ice cream. So, yeah, you know, it's delicious. Just sitting there from when the boyfriend earlier was having a little pissy fit because his proposal didn't go very well. <laughs> he sits down at the table and I was just so hoping, right? I just want this dude to, like, tear his mask off and just go to town, that ice cream. That would have been hilarious. Unfortunately, that's not what we got. Liv Tyler's looking through. She's like, oh, my God, it's the best hiding place. And then one of the, the, the little uh, doll face looking stranger from the beginning, Miss Tamara, pops her face in. Ah, oh, no, they could see me the whole time. They bust her out. They're fucking with her. Um, at one point, one of the other strangers gets a hold of the wedding ring, and this is where Liv Tyler really gets her fucking Popeye coming out. Cut down the ring, see? Ready to fight her. That doesn't go very well. Kind of gets knocked around and gets pummeled to the ground, and Sackface Stranger decides to drag her out. And you hear the... It's very weird because it's like they piped in a scream... But it's not like a scream that just occurred. It wasn't like, ah, it was like a little, like, bloody hell, like, someone just, like, cut her fucking foot off, like, scream. So now, our heroes are tied up. The, uh, the main villains are pulling the blinds because now it's daylight. That's actually, if this was a better movie, I would actually kind of like that little feature of they've been doing this since the night. Like, that's crazy. It went all the way to the daylight. But they're pulling the blinds. They don't want anybody to see. And our two heroes are tied up. And what do you see there? Liv Tyler's got that wedding ring on. And her and her boyfriend are kind of looking at each other like, this is it. This is the end. And they're just saying, you know, she's like, I love you. I love you. I love you. We're going to get through, you know, all that. And this man, I, I, I swear to you, this man is giving nothing. You know, he's doing a little, <laughs> there, there, there's no begging for the life. There's no struggle. It, it's, this man has accepted his fate and is ready to die. And I'm sorry, sir, that's not enough for me. Because the way I see it, this scene could have been powerful. This scene probably could, if this was a better movie, this could have been a really touching, dastardly scene. Of No, these two lovers, this is horrible. If it was two better... I'm not going to say Liv Tyler's not. Liv Tyler's a bad actress. She's not. But a better male actor, if, if there was a little more chemistry, this could have been executed perfectly. But basically, they're crying, whatever. And Liv Tyler, like I said earlier, cries out, Why are y'all doing this to us? And Tamara says, um, Because you were home. <laughs> and... I kind of forgot the way this scene was done because as she says that, the sack-faced stranger looks at her like, we were supposed to talk. What are you doing? Like, he gives her that kind of look of like, oh, what are you doing? Stupid. But anyway, they remove their masks. You don't get to see their face, but they remove their masks. And here's one thing I wanted to touch on. You know, I get we're trying to do the silent killer thing. We're trying to... um. No, no, like, you play on the whole Michael Myers slasher kind of thing. I get that. But I feel like this could have almost been more frightening if you made these people into people at this point. Have them 
talk have them talk shit have them you know taunt them like do something build that tension do like some rob zombie uh devil reject shit or something make them creepy but you know it's just the whole they take their masks off they do a little quick stab with the guy and he goes and Liv Tyler's like no and then they stab Liv Tyler and he goes and she goes no and they do stabby 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 stab and then we're back where we started the strangers are leaving in their beat up old truck and they come across the little Mormon boys Tamara girl comes out and the and they have these pamphlets, right? Because they're going house to house. And she says something like, um, can I have one of those? And they say, because, you know, they just, they looked for the worst actors. They say, are you a Santer? And she says, sometimes. And they give her a pamphlet. And this is the biggest twist of the, of the whole movie, right? They weren't Mormons at all. They were Christian boys. <laughs> Who would have thunk? <laughs> So Tamara gets back in the truck, and this was annoying. She literally tells the other strangers, it'll be easier next time. What the fuck does that mean? Does, does that, because uh, to me, right, like that implies, like, were, were you making an effort the whole time? I, I took it that they were doing some cat and mouse shit, right? Like, ooh, let's fuck with them before we kill them. But when she says, it'll be easier next time, are you saying you were trying your best and these two dumb fucks got the best of you until that, until you finally just caught them? I, I don't know. I you know. Again, they <laughs> ride off into the sunset and our two little Christian boys, God-fearing Christians, walk into the house and they see the aftermath, the blood, the destroyed house. Glenn Howerton's got a big old piece of fucking red lasagna all over his face. And they're going up to the bodies. They see Liv Tyler specifically. They go right up to her. She jumps up and she says, I need some nicotine. And they're like, whoo. You know, do a little startled. It was actually kind of funny. And the movie's over. I think this movie could have been better. And here's one way I think it could have been better. I think if you take the boyfriend out through the whole movie, right, and have him be Glenn Howerton at the end or at that at that portion where he gets his head blown off could have been better because hear me out right had the boyfriend leave through the whole movie Liv Tyler's gonna battle it out because I mean Liv Tyler is obviously the performer of these two she's 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 putting in the work she's getting us invested I think I could be a lot more interested in this poor woman's having to fight off three other people and then her boyfriend comes like you know say she gets the shock in herself she finds that she does the little catty quarter thing and her boyfriend comes back instead of the other friend the boyfriend comes back with the cigarettes like oh gotta get in Liv's mouth gotta get that nicotine going and he gets his head off blown off by accident I think that could have been very powerful I think you could have almost argued like, oh shit, lives out for vengeance now. She's going to go find those motherfuckers. Like you'd have a better excuse of leaving the caddy corner. And she obviously could portray that better than this man. Or your other option would be, you know, just, just cast a better guy. <laughs> I can't say enough how horrible he is. I don't know what else he's been in. I hope nothing. Maybe some Colgate commercials. I have no idea. But he is literally the worst part of this movie. So we're wrapping this up, I promise. We're almost there. We're at the finish line. Um, this is what I'll say in conclusion about the movie. If you're just looking for something to watch, 
just looking for something to put on, do it. Um, there's decent things about it. There's a lot of bad things. You can probably just laugh at it, but it's a quick movie to watch. It you know it's in and out. So if you're just looking for something to pop on that's Halloween oriented, go for it. But I did want to touch on the sequel for a second, just as far as an antidote goes, because um, I do remember when that movie came out, uh, The Strangers Pray at Night. I saw it with my girlfriend and uh, two of our friends, and as we're waiting for the movie to start, uh, these two women come in with like three or four children, right? Like probably four or five kids file into the back row. And in our heads, we're thinking, you know, they're probably trying to see the newest, you know, Minion 6 Attack of the Butt butt Munch or whatever the hell. And we're thinking, you know, we probably should say something. So me thinking, hell, these kids were me like 10 years ago. I can be a hero right now. I can save the day. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get some validity out of this situation and save these poor children. So I turn around and I say, "Ma'am, I might you might be in the wrong theater. You might be in the wrong screening. This is actually the Strangers Pray at Night. You know, uh, you, you might be looking for a different movie." And she looks at me like I just pissed all over her face and says, "No, this is actually the movie we were here to see." So I can only imagine these poor children were just as traumatized as 12-year-old Blake because they were definitely younger than I was. Or maybe, you know, Sackface Stranger is a beloved family favorite. I don't know, but I tried to pay it forward. I tried to save them. I couldn't do it. So if you kids are somehow uh, coming across this in the future, this this variant of the Cobcast, if you, if you find me, just know it gets better. You have the strength to go back and watch that one. Because I'm pretty sure that one was worse than the first one, if you can believe that. So, I believe in you. You can get through it. We, we've both grown. And these strangers, just they, they, they can't get us down. We're going to move forward. And that's, um, that's what this series is kind of about, you know? We're, we're reflecting on those movies that, that scared the hell out of us. And saying just how bad they really were. How scary they really were. Or if they weren't really scary enough. But, for a little hint, hint, nudge, nudge of what's to come, I have good authority to say that um, the next episode we are going to be discussing a little uh, foul-mouthed little doll. So that's a little on the nose. I'm sure you can guess who that is. You know, uh, uh, Woody the Cowboy, right? So Toy Story 3 will be our next episode discussing how Woody uh, murdered the rest of the toys. (laughs) Just kidding. But, again, thank you so much for listening. Um... You can find this on iTunes. You can find this on my RSS feed. Um, I'm still looking to potentially put this on SoundCloud. Maybe this will be on SoundCloud. I'll let you know. But uh, in conclusion, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great day, great night. Whenever you're listening to this, be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. See you around the dusty trail. Bye-bye.